You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 453. I think we're going to title this, Is That Better? Because I keep annoyingly saying that on the Facebook Live video. <laughs> of course, that's from uh, Men in Black. What is his name, the actor who does that? Well, uh, in, in Men in Black. Smith? No, it's the bad guy in, in Men in Black. He was also Kingpin. Oh, uh, in, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes, who, that's who it is. Who was the guy who played Wilson Fisk in The Daredevil. I think that might be one of his yeah. very best roles. I've heard yeah. rumors that they are bringing uh, Daredevil into Spider-Man. So, mm-hmm. And Charlie Cox is doing it, which is great because, I mean, he's... I mean, I, that Daredevil series on, on Netflix was by far, outside of Marvel's own stuff, yeah. is by far the best Marvel project for television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of people wanted to see that return. So I'm hoping they bring him back as Wilson Fisk because, quite honestly, he's an amazing bad guy. Just yeah. amazing. And I want to see that continue in some form. You can move him out of Daredevil and move him into another Marvel property and... He's the bad guy. I think it would work perfectly. Yeah. But anyways, let's uh, let's jump in. This is Tech Fan. This isn't the Geeks Pub, and uh, we should probably talk about tech stuff. And uh, we've got a couple things to talk about. We're going to get back into our wiki trolling. We're talking about this week the Lockheed SR seventy one Blackbird, which of course is the X Men. Look at that. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I just fall yep. into it so naturally. Um. But something kind of happened this month, which is kind of cool, and that is Mac OS X launched 20 years ago, David. Yeah. That is a long time. It's a lot. I mean, that covers most of the time I've been a Mac user. Um, I didn't really know. It, offici- it officially launched 20 years ago. Yeah. Because it was in it beta was, before that. Yeah, but it was really, um, it wasn't a couple of years later than that before it got good. Yeah, oh yeah, the first few few versions there was definitely some growing pains if you will. Yeah. Um so my history, well let's start with your history. What was the first version of Mac OS 10 do you remember that you used? Cuz uh, you were never a Mac I OS 9 user. That you you completely no, I, missed I, classic OS. Yeah, I used it very I used OS 9 very very brief or oh, it would have been OS 9 very very briefly in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, we were basically, I was working, I was working for a firm and we had, well, I transitioned them from DOS to Windows 3.1. Um, and, uh, Ball and Quattro Pro, I remember, blew their minds in terms of, cause before that they were doing spreadsheets and Lotus 1, 2, 3. Um, but they had, they had some graphics that they wanted to doing. So they bought a Mac with Photoshop and all the stuff of the day on it. As you did and back even then. then yeah, even then, by yeah, I mean, I was I was whatever. I guess it was OS eight um, at that point. Um, it was was so far ahead of what Windows three point one was. I mean, it yeah. was it was completely different and so much better, so much more capable. But the thing is, the Mac was really expensive. It was about four thousand pounds, whereas our PCs weren't weren't that expensive. But that was the last time I'd used the Mac until, um, yeah, uh, probably about two thousand and three. I think I got a titanium power book, bought it off eBay, and it was running Panther 10.3. Um, and then, I mean, it was it was so much a nicer, uh, cleaner experience to use than the equivalent Windows computer at the time, which I guess would have been running Windows 2000 or Windows XP. Yeah, I think um, by then it's probably XP. 2000 didn't stick around too long. 2000, But the funny no, thing is, uh, 2000 was built on XP... Or, um, NT. NT, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, it was and basically NT 3.51. Right, with, uh, and NT was the server, but that yeah. was probably one of Microsoft's most reliable um, operating systems. I, yeah. I used I'm, NT every day when I was an IT manager. Yeah, and uh, I loved Windows 2000. I was one of the only people in my company running it on my laptop because everyone else was running Windows 98, and uh, I thought it was great. But when the first time you tried um, OS 10, I mean, it was, it was the, because the design was so different. And back then the design was much more coherent as well. Um, it was, it was really nice to use even on 
on that on then on a, a PowerBook that was a few years old. Um, and of course, the following year, then the Mac Mini came out, um, and that uh, that was when I kind of moved into into Mac all all in. Then you know, and of course, that was when Tiger was released. And Tiger, Tiger was, was a big release. Was a, Tiger was, yeah. I think, the first one that it really, really did feel like it was there. Yeah. Uh, up until Tiger, everything was just a little bit buggy, if you will. It was just a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I, I still kind of miss the classic. If you came from the Mac, I kind of still yeah. miss the, the classic Mac. It still did things differently, and in some respects better. Um, but Tiger, I don't remember all the new features of Tiger. I just remember it felt solid. Yeah. It was stable. It did everything that you wanted a Mac to do, and then it did even mm-hmm. more. Um, yeah. If it finally tiger was the one that really kind of made it we're there finally there is no more classic os yeah. it's done that's right yeah and back and back then that was the era when every time i mean even after tiger every time you got a new version of os 10 it was faster than the previous version which yeah. tells you it was improving yep um and it was really only i think up until about snow leopard 10.6 that it that that stopped happening but then the computers themselves were getting faster by then yeah so um, and a lot of people nowadays may not realize that um, it really wasn't an OS that was built from the ground up by Apple. Um, Apple realized in the Mac OS eight days, um, probably even into OS seven, that they needed a modern operating system. Um, it just it, the cl- the classic Mac OS would crash way too often. So what would happen yeah. is a program would jump in and use too much memory and it wouldn't leave the memory for the operating system and everything would just lock up and that's kind of a problem and you needed a a modern operating system that handled memory better what i mean by that is this program locked up fine it crashed it's not bringing the whole computer down with it so, so OS OS nine was a cooperative multitasking system. So each of the programs kind of had to work together to to share memory. Whereas, um, what and this is one of the reasons that Microsoft moved away from Windows ninety eight to Windows NT for the same reason. Windows NT and um, and Mac OS ten are preemptive multitasking operating systems. So that means that the operating system itself controls how much memory each program can have. Correct. They run in separate user spaces. Um, and the idea then is that is that as you say, one program can't bring the system down, even if it doesn't crash. Sometimes a program can race, and that means it consumes all the CPU, which Correct. means the, the computer slows to a crawl. Um, and and I think one of the things that attracted me to OS X is that all of that stuff was better than it was in NT and XP and Windows two thousand. In that you could still get Windows two thousand used to crash quite a lot, XP less so, but you could still get a situation where the computer could could lock up yeah and that didn't really certainly from tiger onwards that didn't really happen to me ever and um people will will still today talk about the fact that you can have a mac um and you can not reboot it for months and months and months which just is not something you experience on the windows side yeah Um, it's even today to be honest i i today i actually right before we started recording um you know I can't tell you the last time I rebooted before then. Yeah. Probably a couple yeah. of weeks. You don't, I don't even think about it, but yet my yeah. work PC, I know if I, if I don't reboot it every couple of days, gets a little bit like yeah, slow and not as great, if you will. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's one part of why Apple created a new operating system. They didn't really create it from scratch. So in the late 90s, um, they were looking to make a change. And they were looking outside the company because their internal efforts were atrocious. It just wasn't happening. They tried, didn't they try two or three times? Yeah, I had a OS 9 demo. It was just uh, videos and stuff like that. I don't remember even where I got it, but yeah. I got it on a CD or a DVD. And it was a video preview of what the next generation Mac OS was going to look like. And there, it was pretty cool. Um, 
it looked totally different. In fact, it was so different that there was a uh, shareware guy who made a uh, an INT and a control panel that you can install on a current Mac then, Mac OS 7, mm. to make it look like the version that's coming. Yeah. Um, and it was called the Copeland Operating System. And yeah. I remember I installed that because it was just so, so cool and different. But Apple, their internal efforts wasn't bearing fruit. And I remember so they, reading in the computer magazines of the day during the late 80s, early 90s, at least two or three articles about how Apple was working on the next gen. And there was Copeland, there was Rhapsody. They um, were wasn't basically some- all the same thing. Yeah, wasn't there something called Pink? Is that where Copeland came from, Pink? I think I'm sure so. sure I remember. Yeah. It's been so anyway, long ago. I mean, that was 25 were, years ago. Yeah, they were, they were definitely trying and definitely failing. Yeah, um, they were failing. Uh, That's the problem. Yeah, uh, and so they ended up... Um, well, yeah, I mean, it ended up being a very serendipitous purchase because they, they purchased Next, who had Next Step, which well, was based on the Unix. the rumors going around at the time was that they were going to buy a B. B, and yeah. B BIOS. was a kind of a small computer maker, but they had an operating system that had all the stuff that Apple wanted, but it was kind of all 100% proprietary, whereas Next was built upon Unix. Yeah. And... Unix already had a really good foundation to kind of create something on top of it. So they just bought Next, which of course brought Steve Jobs back to Apple. And that may have been a bigger story in the long run and for the success of Apple than getting the, the, you know, an operating system. I mean, the operating system obviously is still here. It's, it's iOS or it's a Mac OS 11 now, but it's still, well, that. the thing is, the the base, the that low end Unix core mm-hmm. of OS of what what came from Next is actually what runs everything. I mean, it, iOS it's at the bottom iOS, of iOS. It's the bottom of Apple OS TV, ten, yeah, OS eleven. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was a huge investment, though. I don't think they realised at the time, but of course. No, I think they did. Yeah, they also didn't. They also didn't realise at the time that that within six months, Steve Jobs would have. Um, politically maneuvered himself to basically take the company over. <laughs> and, uh, I, and Apple and may have not have realized that, but a lot of us that were covering Apple then, including me and, and, and the folks at MyMac.com, we all knew that this was going to happen. We all knew yeah. that Steve Jobs was going to become the leader of Apple again. Um, it only made too much sense. He was... When he was on stage at a Macworld Expo, when he still wasn't the CEO, Gil Emilio was, it was obvious that Emilio was in way over his head. Steve Jobs mm-hmm. is the visionary. He is the one that's going to take Apple to another level. He's the one that's going to be able to repair some of these relationships with outside vendors and uh, partners like Microsoft. And he's, just by his force of will, is going to bring the board along with him. Mm-hmm. And... He really was a tech visionary, yeah. and it was what he created at Next that really allowed them to get where they were going to get, which obviously was the iMac and then the iPod and the iPhone and the iPad, and, and it's not slowing down. In fact, it's if anything, it's getting more and more popular. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a one-man show, but it is because of Steve Jobs and the company he made at Next, which allowed him to rescue Apple. And yeah. at the time, they started calling him the ICEO. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yep. Uh, I remember my beginnings of Mac OS X started with a beta. I was mm-hmm. an IT manager, and I had to go to uh, Macworld Expo. I knew that they were going to unveil the next operating system. And I wanted to get, and I knew that you were going to be able to get a beta copy on DVD. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was CD. I think it was probably CD. I don't remember. But I remember going to Macworld Expo 99 into 2000. So technically, I guess it was Mac, uh, Macworld 2000 in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So that was 21 years ago, not 20. And that's when Steve Jobs first showed uh, OS X uh, running in demo on stage. And he was doing it on an iMac. And uh, we, I had an iMac here at home. In fact, at the time, it was uh, over there at another right. desk that Julie used to sit at. And 
I got the beta and I installed it on that iMac. I think it was February of 2000 and it was janky. But she wasn't doing a lot with that computer most of the time, so I felt kind yeah. of safe. And I think I actually might have partitioned the hard drive so I can boot from iOS not or iOS Mac OS nine or Mac OS ten. Yeah. You just hold down the option button and you can dual boot. Um, but that's it, it scared the crap out of me because yeah. my job was to support Macs and I knew them extremely well, better than most people. That's that was my job. But yeah. I knew I knew the classic Mac OS. This is coming in, and the underpinnings is Unix, and I didn't know crap about Unix, and it scared me to death, dude. I was so I was like, oh, I'm gonna get fired eventually because this is yeah. I, this is gonna be command line stuff and all that crap, and I don't want to do this at all. But yeah. I should have known better. I mean, you can drop into a command line if you have to on the Mac, but you don't really need to. So no. my my fears were overblown, thankfully. But I remember no. sitting there watching it, getting excited and scared at the same time. Hmm. The weird thing is, is that I remember, you know, as I was saying that OS ten was much cleaner, much simpler, much more coherent than yeah. Windows was at the time. And now it's switched because Windows ten at five, six years old is really starting to become quite mature. Um and at the same time, OS ten every year comes out with a new version that seems to have more features we haven't asked for, and uh, the interface is changing, and it's throwing up dialogues all the time, and it's nowhere near the user friendly place it used to be. No, for what I what I see, I guess people today probably don't notice it so much because they're kind of used to it. But you know, it's it's light and day from what it from how it used to be, and now it's really really odd in places, um, and. I personally would like to see them get off this drive to bring new features in every year um, and really just see them kind of stabilize it um, for, for more than just one year as well, like for a couple of years. Uh, some of the user interface choices are really uh, quite horrible. And um, Like what? Yeah, yeah, well, there's this... The, 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 the inter well, I, I talked about it a few a few months um, a few months ago about trying to install an audio driver, and I had to basically to to install it. You had to go out to a separate boot environment and type commands into a command line there to do that. You never used to have to do that that kind of messing around with Apple stuff, you know. Yeah, it would always it would always just kind of work, and now a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah, you know. Well, some of that though it, is, I think for a good reason or not it that's it's your opinion apple is trying to lock down the system in some respects so they don't have to worry about malware um ransomware uh, somebody installing something that they really shouldn't they can break yeah. your machine i but understand that's, i that. learned the mac because i was experimenting and breaking my machine and then yeah. crap i gotta figure out how to fix a stupid thing now after i broke it um, that's, in my opinion, as long as it's requiring an administrator access and password when you're going to install something like an audio driver, it should let you do it. So yeah. I agree with you there. It's, it's like, come on, what are we doing here? The other thing is they have an operating system that does that, which is iOS, which has those lockdown controls built in from the bottom. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to overlay this on top of the Mac. And they, and as you say, the whole point about having a Mac versus iOS is you want something where the control is a little bit freer. So you have a little bit more choice. Yeah. And what they're trying to do is overlay over something. Laying security on top is always a bad idea. <sighs> Not always. Um, it's all in the implementation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's how you lock it down. Um, and I think, I'll go back to what I just said, as long as the account holder, the main user of that machine, is putting in their password to say, yes, I want to allow this. Even if they threw up an, another, like if it's something that Apple knows for a fact that this is not good for your computer. I'm not talking about malware or anything like that. But an audio driver, which really could affect how your Mac works, that all of a sudden your speakers don't work and you're not, you don't have the technical know-how to figure that out. Now you're calling Apple or taking it to Apple Store. If they threw up a secondary warning, hey, this does this. Are you yeah, sure 
you want to do this thing because this thing could potentially really mess up your computer. Yeah, I'm I, a, I'm I saw something. I saw something just like that the other day. We we um, we did a whole load of computer upgrades last year, so we're now donating our older company laptops to local schools so they can use them during COVID times for kids who can't come into school who can work from home. Yeah, um, cool thing. And so to do so before before we do that, I have to basically re-image the machines back to the Dell factory image they came with, and so you can download a tool from Dell that will install. It's, a, it's quite a neat tool, actually. It puts the Dell stuff on, then it pulls down Windows 10, the latest version, puts that on, then it injects all the Dell drivers into it. And when you then boot the machine up, it's like it came from the factory, but with all the latest version of Windows on it. That's but the thing cool. is, part of... Yeah. part of, So you boot off a USB into this external environment, it comes up. Part of that says, do you want to keep your data or wipe the machine to return it to factory. And there's a there's a dialogue there, and you click it, and then it goes, are you sure? Yes. And then it sure. comes up again. The screen goes grey, and this big overlay goes, you need to be aware that this will wipe all your data. Are you absolutely sure? You're about sure? to do a nuke and pave here, buddy. <laughs> exactly. You're and then you click everything and you know, paving over yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And then off you go. And, that, yeah. and that's exactly the right way to do that it. That is 100% the right way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. And kudos to Dell for doing that, because... In some respects, I think these companies with these very high-tech devices do need to protect people from themselves. That's right. Because yeah. we're dumb. But the other thing is, you remember back in the days we're talking about 10.3, 10 10.4, uh, 10.5 was the Leopard was the last one you had to pay for before they started, um, started doing it for giving free. it to you for free. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, you remember, it didn't come out every year back then. It came out when it was done. <laughs> it, it was 18 months It was months on average every 18 months, yeah. Yeah, but the yep. thing is, it wasn't, oh, well, it had to... I mean, the problem we have at the moment, I think, is they have to hit September, October for when the iPhone comes out. Yeah. Often because the new iPhone iOS update requires that latest yeah. operating system on your Mac, and I can't help feeling that we're suffering for that because they are trying to hit an it's artificial deadline. It's an artificial deadline, deadline 100% yeah. I agree with you. Um, I know why they do it, and it's all about the money. Um, yeah. A new iPhone is coming out. It can't do everything exactly like the iPhone. It's just faster. So to make it do better, newer, look different, we need to update the iOS. And you would like to say from a practicality standpoint that that's not sustainable, but yet here they are. Hmm. You know? How long the iPhone yeah. been out now? Since two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I don't understand why the Mac has to be like that. You know, the iPhone has to be the iPhone, but I don't understand why we have to have a new Mac OS every year. Well, uh, I know I'm one. not upgrading my Mac OS until I upgrade the computer. I am not going yeah. to until I go with an M1 or probably an M2 chip by the time, maybe even M3. Uh, I'm not upgrading my Mac OS. So I've got a permanent freaking notification thing in my settings going, oh, you can update your Mac now. I don't want to put Big Sur on this machine. I don't, yeah. for what I'm doing on the machine, I think I'm going to use lose some functionality. Yeah. I don't want to do that. So guess what? I'm not upgrading to Big Sur. And once we get to the next Mac OS, 100% is really going to be, they'll have some backwards compatibility. Don't get me wrong. It's 100% all about Apple's hardware chips yeah, and those machines, not the Intel machines. So yeah. Big Sur, in my opinion, is probably the last great OS update or upgrade for the Intel Macs. Beyond yeah. this, they are, not, they are not going to be the focus, especially yeah. if after the freaking crying, whiny shit that Intel's been saying out there in their <laughs> ads have you seen some of this crap i've what seen you that you're talking about the justin long ad so they've taken oh, the guy who used to play so the mac bad. in the i'm a mac i'm a pc and he and he goes and it's laughable actually he, they go, he goes i'm just a regular guy trying to find out how computers work and it's just like no you're not you're paid and we all we know you're a paid shill because you used to be paid by the other side <laughs> yeah and um yeah, we know you're running a script, and some of these, you know, some of they making some mildly legitimate points, while at the same time not. But there is this not really because I, what is Intel lead at right now, David? No, not pure no, CPU. They, 
not mobile, the, not graphics. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I you, don't know you, what's look, going on at Intel, but a lot of people at Intel really do need to be fired. Yeah, but I think what they're trying to say, and, and of course Intel is is actually trying to conflate themselves with the PC market. Yeah. What they're trying to say is that uh, the, the theme of the ads, and I don't disagree with the theme. The theme is if you have a PC, you have more choices. And you have more choices to buy something designed towards what you want to do. If you want a touchscreen, if you want a game, you know, um, if you want something um, with more battery life than perhaps perhaps you can get somewhere else, you've got a choice. That theme itself is perfectly fine, life. but the way that well, I mean, that's one of the bad things about Intel is their chips are awful when it comes to power management some of the newer ones uh, and i think this is also part of the thing some of their most recent ones are much better and the prob- their problem they're trying to counter than, with these ads it's still not better it, than arm or what apple is doing with the m1 uh, you, just you can get you can get you can get intel machines now that have a 15 hour battery life you can whether whether they've got the right balance of power performance that uh, compared to the M1 is a different matter. And I know there is a narrative in the PC industry at the moment that, uh, oh, be, uh, basically because of, you know, they did that statement. They said, oh, the M1 is faster than 90% of all PC laptops. And then they showed a graph, right, but with no labels on the axes. Right. That really upset the PC people. And because on the back of that one piece of evidence, they, they there is a narrative on the PC in the PC industry that um, Intel's trying to fake it with the M1, and they're not really as good as they make them out to be. You mean Apple? I don't think I, uh, the Apple. Sorry, yeah, uh, I don't think that's fair because actually there is a direct comparison, which is the Intel Macs that run the same operating system as the Silicon Apple Silicon Macs. Yeah, and they run much much faster. They run as fast as the fastest previous Intel Macs, yeah. and they run cooler, and they run and for a much longer test battery that's life. That's done on the new yeah. M1 Max are substantiating yeah. Apple's claims. Yeah. Even the diehard so, guys that are, they try to be fair and balanced, but they're PC guys. They get their hands on the new M1 Mac, and they're, from every video that I've watched so far, they're yeah. all like, this thing is kind of the real deal. This is, but how, did, how did Apple having, jump ahead yeah. this far this fast? Yeah, and, but having, and the whole reason these ads exist is because Intel are terrified of what Apple have done. Well, they're, think about this, not, David. Let, yeah. How long has Apple been, or uh, Intel has been producing chips? A long well, goddamn time, right? They years, are the yeah, yeah they are the PC years, industry. Yeah. Apple comes out with Generation One desktop chips, and it's for the most part blowing Intel away yeah. in pure horsepower and power management. Yeah, uh, I, and how and would you honest, not? How how is Intel not looking at themselves as BlackBerry right now? Like, yeah, oh shit! Oh, no, no, they're they're really they are really concerned. The fact they're doing these they ads are. and they're hitting on Apple shows they're really concerned. But having said that, um, you know they probably will pull themselves together. And and I think the one thing they have going for Why, them is though? that there are some there are some people who just for whatever reason will never buy a Mac. Doesn't matter yeah, how I good it is. I don't care about those people. Um, because well, I'm, I'm not the majority of the PC industry. That. That's the thing. It, they're not the you know, majority of the PC. The majority of the PC industry is they went to Best Buy. This one was on sale. That's what they bought. <laughs> that's the majority <laughs> of the so. PC industry. Um, suppose so. Yeah. Why do you think that Intel will get their shit together and get back into this race? Because AMD is starting to kick their ass. Apple's starting to kick their ass. All we hear about are, is this, this the brain drain that's leaving Intel. Um, a lack of leadership at all. Well, and, and their, their, their whole CEO. fighting back is they've ju- in, Intel's just changed their CEO. The guy they've hired is the guy guy used to run VMware. He's a he's a former Intel guy. He's very very switched on. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they're making the right moves to come back at this. Um, I think they've been stuck in a rut for probably the last fifteen years. Uh, the x eighty six rut. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Microsoft, when the M1 came out, because they've been trying to do the Windows and ARM thing. Yeah, and it uh, hasn't turned been around very and said, successful. "Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. How come Apple managed to pull that off when these guys we've been working with for four or five years has been has been delivering us basically, you know, turd after turd after turd?" Could and Microsoft turn to Apple and say, hey, "We'd like to use the M1 or M2 chip in the Surface"? Uh, well, I don't know whether Apple would want them to do that or not. That really is down to... But the At thing the is, end of the day, Apple, it's about money. And someone that's, that's buying yeah. a Surface isn't going to 
probably turn around and buy an iPad instead. So no. if they can, yeah. if they could reap in four or five billion per year. Microsoft being strategy a chip now, supplier, yeah. Microsoft I think right strategy. now though is Apple's. Apple needs every chip they're producing. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, Microsoft's strategy is no longer wedded to x86. It hasn't been for a long time. Nope. Microsoft is all about using their services in the cloud, and they frankly don't give a damn what you run it on. Yeah? So if, if Windows went away tomorrow, and the x86 went away tomorrow, Microsoft will be just fine. So, yeah? again, then, then why are you confident in Intel? Because it seems like still, to this day, they're all in on the x86 architecture. Well, I think I think... Let's let's give it some time to see, but I think they're a think very they big company. Time. You've been here for a long time. And Do I they think have a they... long time to get their shit? It's not like you can just produce a chip and start shipping them tomorrow, or even a year from now. You know, if they finally do have competent managers in there, that's going to steer the engineering department, which for a long time at Intel was their strength, was their engineering yeah. team. Um, and I've heard a lot. I've read a lot about the brain drain from their top engineers leaving um, because of a variety of factors, but usually management. Um, and then a, a lack of uh, a clear path forward that they're sticking with what's worked for 40 years. Um, well, 20 years. Um, yeah. Okay, so now we get managers in there that go, okay, we got to start building for the future. You know, it's all about mobile. It's all about power management. Uh, it's more. It's way, way more system on a chip than what x86 was doing. Um, how long before Intel gets there? And okay, so they get there in five years. Okay, where's mm-hmm. the M1 at that point? Has Microsoft stood around waiting for Intel? Well, why would they do I mean, that? That's 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 the challenge for Intel. I don't think the challenge is an engineering challenge. It's a a marketing and is. market positioning challenge. I don't think so. I think, I think, I it's think engineering, the engineering. I think they the can only pull, way out is the engineering they can pull some. off. The engineering they can pull off. They can buy in engineers. They can that's acquire companies. The, they can do that. It's buying somebody. It's, they're not going to do it internally. Yeah. They're well, going to buy okay. someone that's going to get them there. But the thing is, is while they if while Apple they get their buy ducks them in, first. <laughs> well, yeah. That, that, that's it, or, or um, you know, that's that's what could happen. You could see a, a merger between Microsoft and Intel. What's in it for Microsoft? I don't know. Something to do. Nothing. Keep them busy. Keep them busy. And what's in it for Apple buying Intel? They don't need to anymore. They just no. They don't. in their well, opinion, they just yeah, passed okay. Intel. So, so I, I'd I'd be more I'd be more inclined to see Apple buying TSMC. Yeah, because then they really hold old because that's what it's all about for Apple. And that's part of the problem for Intel is that they've always made the reference motherboards and the processors. Yeah, but they've never brought it all together into a Correct. single thing. They rely on other people to do that. Yep. And then you'll be holding to those people's strategies. And um, and and, and the, those customers for the last 40, 50 years have been demanding just x86 only better. Yeah. And Intel, rather than. Um, taking the lead kind of well, rather than industry. preparing for the time when that's going to finish has has just constantly done that yeah and, and that's, uh, yeah, and and that's and, fine but they intel should have been the leader in pushing the industry in a certain way that's going to force companies like microsoft um to update their operating system to work on the next yeah. generation of chips and they just never did that no they, they couldn't didn't. They, they couldn't engineer their way out of making more efficient chips from one of their biggest customers, which was Apple. And yeah. instead of getting out there and, and getting a positive message, like, hey, we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. And they're spending their time attacking the Mac now. It's the like, dumbest yeah. solution I've ever well, seen. Dumb. It's because they have ignored ARM. They've assumed ARM was small business. First of all, they assumed it was small business. Then they assumed, oh, it's only mobile and we don't want to play mobile anyway. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, ARM is turning around and kicking their ass in server. And it now and now with Apple, it's it's starting to kick their ass desktop. in desktop. And they have been left completely, utterly wrong-footed. And you're absolutely right. The ads just basically reinforce that it's, view. Over here they are bad. dissing the thing that's actually the future of computing. So it's one uh, thing you know. if they would have made a big change and their new chips are amazing. They were like 
this is the next generation. Apple decided they didn't want to do this, but these chips are way better. They're yeah. faster. Um, system on a chip works way better than ARM does. The rest of the PC industry is adopting this. Apple is not. Now we're going to kind of make fun of Apple for not doing this and add saying, hey, we have these new chips. We'd love it if they were in your Macs, but Apple's decided not to. So if you really want next generation of VR and AR and video games and all of this stuff, you got to get a PC because unfortunately you can't get this stuff on an Apple. Hmm. Well, they're not doing that. They're saying, no. oh, these Apple chips, we'll come back and it's, it's just bad. It's just bad. Whoever's in charge should be fired. I know they just brought a new CEO in. Is this his first move to attack no, I don't Apple think so. I think, this, I think this was in tra- – as soon as the M1 came out, then Intel started putting this together. This is right. before this new guy showed on. And and the, the new guy actually said at uh, his first company meeting, he said, you know, the guys in Cupertino are kicking our ass. He actually said that. Yeah. So he recognizes it, you know. But this, so why this, didn't he pull these ads immediately? This is embarrassing. Uh, this makes think, us look like children. The, I think these ads are more like, you know, showing that they're not frightened of Apple, even though they are. Of course they um, are. I, I, As I said, I'd, I'd still not count Intel out. They're a massive company. I don't count them out. A lot I just think that it's a massive uphill battle at this point. Oh, it, I, it I don't is. See but it, I don't see them pulling it off. I really well, don't. Well, we'll... We'll we'll see what happens. What do they know, got we'll going for they, them that gives you this confidence, well, David? They've because still got they've still got eighty five percent of the of the PC industry um, aging that's PC a, industry. You're absolutely long, correct. It's a long way to fall, and um, I it's think not, they've got time. It's not a long way to fall. That's I think this is what a lot of people, when it comes to some of these industries, and I don't just mean Intel here, but the king of the hill can fall. And we like to assume that it's a gradual fall and maybe they're going to pull themselves out. It can happen overnight. We've seen it in other industries. Um, I think that they're massively in trouble and that if one good competitor comes out and challenges them, and it could be Apple, they could become a chip supplier for other PC makers, uh, especially other cell phone makers. Uh, and tablets and laptops, um, you could see Intel topple extremely fast. They would start burning through all the reserves that they have. Um, they're a huge company, and if they don't have the revenue that they're used to coming in, it will not take long for them to fall. They they could fall within a month or two. They'd just be gone. Yeah, I don't. I just don't see the whole PC industry wholesale overnight switching to Apple. Um, I don't either, but I'm just giving an example. But there's other chip. AMD could really come out with a new product that just yeah. But AMD chips as well are still x86 compatible chips. Yes, they're not doing they're not doing anything else. That's the thing. Well, they're not shipping anything else yet. Momentum. No, yeah, but my understanding is is they are in developing big time into ARM right now. That that's the next thing that they are going to be concentrating on. AMD is going to get hard into ARM. Having seen what the M1 is, mm-hmm. Intel, if they want to survive this, they have to come out with a competitive ARM chip that they can put in Microsoft compute in Microsoft running computers. Hundred uh, percent, and that and that's what they have to do. And if they don't, I agree with you. If they don't do that, they're done. Then they will fail. Yeah, they will. I don't want them to fail. For those who are sitting here listening, thinking, "Oh, he's rooting for it," I'm not. I actually want companies succeed. Um, I want them to get better because that pushes the entire industry forward. Yeah, and, and the I, reality uh, is, yeah, the reality is, is that Apple is never going to license their M1 chips to go into PCs. They, it's just not their business. The whole point of them doing this is they want to control their own uh, production destiny. line end to end. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I think I think Apple's been burned before by licensing, and I think that lesson sits sits well with them. I agree with that to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. The next piece of business um, affected my household all but briefly. Uh, <laughs> so there's a company, my wife, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a number of years ago, my wife saw something on Facebook, I think, about being able to cut vinyl and make T-shirts and stickers and cool stuff like that. And it, it intrigued her. And we started looking into these um, cricket machines. 
There, think if it, for those who don't know, and I don't blame you for not knowing because it's it's probably not the biggest um, product for tech fan listeners. No. Um, the Cricket is a CNC machine for vinyl. And when I say mm-hmm. vinyl, I don't mean records. I mean the vinyl that you would see on a T-shirt or stuck to the back of a car, that sort of thing. That's vinyl. Like yeah. you see those, uh, for those who live in the U.S., you see trucks with the big uh, American flag thing on the back. It's a sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's vinyl. My wife kind of got intrigued by it, and she wanted to get one. So we started kind of exploring, and they were expensive. But we were still kind of circling around, thinking about buying one. And then somebody on Facebook, I think, it might have been, I don't know if it was Facebook. It, it might have been the other place. Um, what do you call it? Uh, online sales. Craigslist. Yeah. I think it actually was Craigslist. Maybe. It doesn't matter. Put a listing up for a cricket machine, uh, brand new in the box, um, because she got two for Christmas. And mm-hmm. she was selling it for like a hundred dollars, and we were a little suspicious to say the least. Um, but she reached out, told me I had to go pick this thing up in Kalamazoo, yeah. and uh, which is thirty-five miles away. And according to David, that's a long ways away. Um, <laughs> um, and I met this guy at a Starbucks. So the husbands get together to do the transaction, and the wives stay yeah. home. And so I met him at the Starbucks, and I looked at it, and it looked legit. I gave him a hundred dollars, yeah. and it was legit. It was a brand new Cricut machine. We it was at the time I think there were four hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. to get a brand new one for a hundred bucks is a killer deal. Yeah, but we bought it, and that was the beginning. She has at this point two of those machines. Uh, as well as one called the Maker, which does the same thing, but it will—it's more robust. You can cut wood, um, smaller pieces of plastic, stuff like that. You Acrylics. can do fabric in some of these and that sort of thing, yeah. can you? Yeah. Um, so she is way into um, doing this kind of thing. She even owns yeah. a company called Vinyl Me Impressed. So if you guys want a T-shirt made or stickers. Go to Facebook and look for Vinyl Me Impressed. There's a website, but it's not there, um, which is my fault. Um, yep. She is way into it. She is constantly working on... I'll give you an example. I've got a bag at work right now. I had this couple mm-hmm. come in, I'm going to say early December, looking at buying a Tundra. They didn't buy one. Um, they still haven't bought anything, but they didn't buy it at the time. But one of the things in my office is a photo frame, and I've got different pictures running through it. Yeah. And one of the pictures on that photo frame is me, and I have a shirt on that has a stormtrooper with a tear. Right. And the caption reads, I had friends on that Death Star. <laughs> so they see this picture when I'm out of my office, and when I come back in, and I had a feeling they probably weren't going to buy I'm pretty good at my job, and I'm, I know yeah. who's buying, who's not. They started asking about that shirt. Where did you get that shirt? And uh, it took me a minute, and I was like, oh, my wife made that. Well, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I said, well, she makes shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. And they wanted to know if they could get exactly that shirt. They have a fanatic Star Wars fan friend who lives in Chicago that they're going to go there this Christmas, so last Christmas, and this would be the perfect shirt for them. Right. So I tell them where to find my wife online. So uh, the lady contacts my wife. She wants it a little bit different design, but so my wife makes it. The lady comes in, pays me, and I give her the shirt. Because now I am the courier service because they know who I am. Yeah. And she just put another order in for like eight shirts. So I've got this little bag at work with eight shirts, and they're baby shirts, so it's some kind of Mm -hmm. a baby thing. Yeah. so that's how my wife is into uh, her vinyl work. And I'll be honest with yeah. you, she does great work. Okay. Uh, if I need tech fan stickers or my Mac stuff, she will pop it out for me. So I take it for all of these things, she designs these on the computer and then uses the machine to produce the stickers, yeah? 
Uh, she does some of it on the computer. Most of it at this point is either on her iPhone or iPad. Right. Okay. It's Bluetooth but connected. She's using, yeah, she's using some sort of computing device yes. to do the designs. And yep. then you send, just like you would send to a laser printer, you send, uh, and, and this reminds me very much of, um, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, I, we had a picture on the show a few months ago when I did the, uh, the, the cell for my, yeah. um, for my daughter's birthday on the 3D printer we have. Yeah. It's the same sort of, thing only in reverse instead of laying things down you're cutting things out you're cutting and, and it's then, a com- yeah well it's it, computer it, it controlled cuts, milling it machine. cuts the lines to a certain depth and then you have to do what's called weeding which is taking yeah. away all the vinyl that's right yeah um and then you have to she has and i'm not kidding this this heat press because that's how you get this stuff to stick on shirts and stuff yeah she has a heat press that is older than our ages combined almost this thing is right big it's iron. Um, the lights dim in the house when she turns it on. I mean, this thing is <laughs> this thing's a monster. And it was yeah. probably a couple grand when it was brand new back in 1940. And she can get a modern one, but this thing is awesome. Um, yeah. It literally, it's in our bedroom on her dresser. Uh, if she uses it, our bedroom is 20 degrees hotter for about a half hour. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm going to go to bed, so, she can't use that right before I go to bed because I'll be right. sweating in the bedroom. So she's heavily invested in this very heavily ecosystem. Invested. Not just financially, although there is that because it's not just the machine. You got to buy all this vinyl, and that stuff isn't yeah. cheap. And the yeah. shirts okay. when she's doing a, a project like this, she goes and buys the shirts. She has the vinyl. She's got this big collection of all this different color and types of vinyl that she uses. It's a big deal. And, let, and let's not let's be clear. This is just not like weird one weird one off. These machines are very very popular in the crafting community, which is a big business. They are right she's across in, the world. She's, she's in a couple different cricket groups, um, on Facebook, you know, and yep. people are sharing designs and ideas and questions. And she loves those groups because for the most part. They're very focused and they're very helpful yeah. to each other. It's the same with me and the Sequoia groups. People are generally really yeah. cool. Um, so mm-hmm. she is heavily invested, and this is a very tight community. Yeah. And so what happened key. a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Go ahead. Is it all blew up? And the thing is, I read about this. And I texted you. I said, "Have you heard about this?" And you kind of went, "Oh yeah, I've bloody heard about this." I've heard about this. <laughs> You're late to this game, buddy. <laughs> So what happened is that Cricket decided, much in the uh, grand tradition of, uh, I remember when Keurig pulled this with the coffee thing, and that was the same. It was the same business. No, the, the, the reaction the was soft, nothing like it was in the Cricket community. Uh, yeah. So, so the soft they they uh, Cricket decided that the, the proprietary software which you use to actually talk to the Cricket machines. Yeah, you basically you you do your designs wherever you do them, and as you say, some people do them on. Uh, on computers, some people do them on iPads, but but what you effectively do is once you've drawn out your design, you have to upload it into the Cricut software to turn it into something that's capable of then driving the machine. Correct. They said that um, as of, uh, was it at the end of this year or something, Yeah. that basically anybody who was using that software would have to pay an $8 monthly subscription to upload their designs. No. More than a, I think, was it more than if 20 designs yeah, you can have their a, cloud? A, a certain number yeah. of designs, and beyond that, you have to have a subscription service for $8 a month. And this applied to everybody who wanted to use a cricket machine, even if they've had it for years, all of a sudden they've got to pay an $8 fee to use the thing they bought years ago. Which David, I'm going to tell you right now when that first hit. I'm going to I'm going to Yeah. Now, the <laughs> Just, listeners can't hear this. This is why you guys should be watching on Facebook Live. This is <laughs> when she came up to me. I was getting ready to go to bed. Cuz you yeah, this came to you out of the blue because this is not no a, this is not a thing you follow. No, this <laughs> is this is her reaction right behind me. I was on the computer doing something. This is what I was like did you, did you like i'm you look, just gonna be quiet here because she did you look at her face pissed. and think oh my god what did i do oh my god did i poop <laughs> did i accidentally pee in her cricket machine or something what and and i and she goes on this rant and i said i didn't she didn't tell me price or nothing it could have been 100 bucks a month i don't know yeah whatever it was we'll pay for it honey no problem that's that's the only answer a husband can give. 
No problem. <laughs> we'll pay for that. Yeah. That's meh. No problem. It wasn't the fact that there were, didn't matter if it was eight bucks a month, less, less no. than Netflix. And no. for heavy cricket users, that's nothing. That's, it really isn't. Yeah. But it was, it was the thought behind it. Yeah. They're going to reach into this community that has built their company and they're very active in the community. Yeah. They themselves will post in these Facebook groups. Yep. That you just pissed off all the Karens in the world, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it is quite literally a protection racket. It is literally Oh, nice machine you've got there. It was shame if all of a sudden you had to stop, <laughs> you know. Shame if all of a sudden you lost access to all your designs. Yeah. But pay us some money. But you and know it's what? You know, Just eight dollars a month, and uh, and, and, and it's no, it's really no different to if you, you know, you go out to your car in the morning and you turn it on, and your Toyota says says to you, by the way, if you want this car to start more than five times a week. From next month, you will have to pay as an $8 subscription I'm, I'm fee. I'm sure it would go over well. Um, <laughs> it is exactly the same. Because, the, and particularly, the this, this is a... that yeah. was going on in these groups was such that <laughs> within 24 hours, this company said, no, 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 no. This is just for new users when when yeah. when they first sign up. Everybody else, oh, you guys, you, you're grandfathered in. It's it's fine. Yeah. So you think that those who are already grandfathered in would be like, oh, all right, just, it's for the new people yeah. then. Nope, that was nope. not good enough. Not no, at all. Because, because, it, and the, the reason I mentioned the Keurig thing, because for, for those who don't know, um, a few years ago, Keurig makes these capsule machines for coffee, a bit like Nespresso, and they've been making them for a few years, and there was a, a healthy market of people who produce accessories for these Keurig machines. Some people didn't want to have to buy the capsules direct from Keurig. They wanted their own gourmet coffees. And so you could buy a, a steel capsule that would go in the Keurig machine and would produce, uh, allow you to make, use the Keurig machine to produce your uh, gourmet coffee. There were people who had other accessories that kind of made things work. Um, and then, of course, there was a healthy market in people producing Keurig-compatible capsules. So Keurig decided they didn't really want to have other people making money off their design. Uh, and so what they did is they produced a new line of machines called Keurig 2.0, and people started buying those. Oh, it's 2.0, it must be better. And then it turned out that Keurig had effectively put a DRM check into the machines so that if you didn't use genuine Keurig-compatible, uh, Keurig-authorised capsules, then it wouldn't work. It, the machine just wouldn't do anything. And of course, this meant anybody who had these accessories all of a sudden find find that they get a new machine uh, and none of these accessories work with it anymore. And again, people were very, very angry because they felt we've invested in this ecosystem, we've built this company up, and now they've basically rewarded us by kicking us in the teeth. And it saying, would, I, think oh, it would, I think it would have been okay. And it's too late to put the genie back in the bottle. They can't go this route now. I think it would have been fine if they would have came out and said, hey, we're glad you're enjoying the service. Nothing is changing for you, but we're going to have a deluxe subscription service yeah. that's going to afford you um, uh, exclusive content, designs, fonts, uh, maybe some support, uh, maybe yeah. a members-only club where... We're going to be uh, sending out vinyl, you know, yeah. and it's $30 a month. You don't have to join. You're just getting extra things in your, that you don't get currently. We're expanding the yeah. business. If they would have done something like that, I think it probably would have went over pretty well. Um, yeah. Now, my wife is very frugal when it comes to money and stuff like that. She would never have joined. She would have wanted yeah. to, and I would have been all for it. I'm happy to pay for that, but... She never would have asked me. She would yeah. have said, she would yeah. have never even she told just, me about it. Yeah. She'd yeah. be like, well, but I'm not getting that. Yeah. But what you can't do is take an exi entire existing customer base of presumably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of users, and suddenly say, by the way, all your machines are now behind a paywall. Yeah. And you need to pay. Otherwise, the machines become junk. Yeah. That's the problem. Sonos pulled this a while cool. back as well. 
Who did? Sonos. Uh, Sonos, oh, who Sonos. the room speaker yeah. systems. Yeah. Yeah. Where they basically said, right, we're changing system um, and all these old things aren't compatible and we can send out a firmware update uh, and they're just going to stop working. Uh, and if you want to change that, just buy a new one. And uh, that didn't go down very well either. And I no. don't understand why any company with any intelligence at all would think that imposing a subscription on people who don't already have a subscription and effectively yeah. junking their existing machines would think that that is a positive move. And no, uh, and there really are don't. competitors to what Cricket does. I've seen them yeah, before. Yeah, of course there are. And yeah. they're not as popular. And I guarantee you, if they would have held firm to this, those other companies would have reaped the benefits. Well, to be honest with you, I, I mean, when I found out about this, I did a bit of reading on some of the Cricket forums on reddit and places like that there are plenty of cricket users who have said i'm never going to use cricket again i'm never going to buy another cricket machine because i don't trust them now i don't trust them not to try and they might have rode it back this this time because of all the negative publicity but obviously this is what they're going to do and try and steal it in so i'm going to switch to competitor yeah you know? it's not a good thing yeah uh, it, the so optics really, were really bad dumb. and and the way that they rolled out the messaging was bad yeah. um there was an opportunity here for them. All they had to do was call us, David. I don't. I don't understand why these companies don't do this. Um, there was an opportunity for for them here to have a subscription service without ticking off all of your existing users or customers, and it would have been um, very profitable for them because their customer base is super loyal super loyal people yeah and it's mostly people who have the means to subscribe it this is yeah. not people people don't own these machines unless they have a little bit of cash because yeah. it's not just the machine you're buying and the supplies for it are not cheap they're not yeah. um and it's people who who are good at it are spending a lot of money on this so they could have capitalized on that simply by offering a premium subscription service or they could even call it something like the monthly mystery box where you get free fonts and, um, yeah. like I said, different materials that you could use. There's all yeah. kinds of things they could have done to supplement the, the, the people who are buying one machine and using it for years and they never see but them again. You're forgetting something. But in, by doing that, they would have to set up a team to create the extra value. What they wanted to do was basically ring out extra value from their existing customers they basically wanted to charge them again i mean you you said these machines are what four hundred dollars or that at least they used to be yeah yeah yep yeah but eight eight dollars a month that's a hundred dollars a year so you're talking about 25 percent of the value of what you originally paid for the machine just for the right to continue using it effectively and and again yeah, the, the other problem that comes out of this is this is the insidiousness of the cloud Right, because the cloud has given us the idea of subscription models, and everybody in business loves the idea of subscription model because it's ongoing, reliable revenue, and they all want to move to it. But the problem is, is you can't impose a cloud subscription model over a physical product without upsetting people, you know, because it, does, it doesn't no, work. Yeah, there's no reason that these cricket machines. I don't know whether there's this software actually stores this stuff in the cloud but there's no reason why it, it has does. to oh, right, right it does but there's no reason why it has to yeah you don't you could store them as files on your computer if they set it up like that or you could not store them in the cricket software at all you could just upload your design every time you wanted to print something yeah and just have the thing run like a printer driver there's no need and that this is the i think part of the problem is is as well is that not only are you charging people for something that they think they own which they do which is the machine yeah you're then also you're then also saying oh we're adding value by giving you all this because that's what they said they said oh there'll be all this extra um storage stuff in the cloud for your cricket designs everything if you subscribe and people are going well i don't want that value it's not valuable to me yeah it's only they valuable it to on the company who wants single, my subscription yeah they blew it on every single level yeah um I don't think it's too late for them to turn around and and get the goodwill back um, because the competitors really aren't as good. That's why we got – she did a lot of research before she got into this. Um, and yeah. even though there are some competitors, they're not as good and they're not as supported as the Cricket 
people are. Yeah. Um, but this was this was ill conceived, and uh, I think they would have knowing who their customers are. I think if they would have just reached out to a select few under even an NDA yeah. to get feedback, hey, this is what we're thinking. What are your thoughts? If they would have just done this, they would have avoided all of this. None yeah. of this would have happened. But this was somebody, my guess is at the top, mm-hmm. decided that this is the way to go, that their customers are so loyal, they're going to be happy to pay for this. Yeah. And boy, were you wrong, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it, it doesn't seem like that cricket is a, uh, well, I'll tell you, here's the thing. They're not cricket a huge company. Fo- no, yeah, but, but yeah, but they, they've just filed for an IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, and the what the concern is this here is that actually they tried to do this to try and put um, a nice um, a, a nice value investment add to, friendly sure. value into the yeah. IPO Absolutely. to try and drive up the value of the IPO, which is. But I don't think also, the average um, cricket user knows that or even cares. No, uh, the don't. average All cricket they care user about is, is how much like a my month. <laughs> my my wife uses this machine. Uh, most people who use it aren't making any money. They're doing it because no. they like doing it. They're they're making yeah. fam- family and friends cool stuff. Uh, they're making Christmas decorations and birthday stuff. And um, yeah, I got a friend who can make us a T-shirt for this event. You know, our bowling league thing. It's yeah. that kind of user, which it's in some respects you can say it's a maker community because it is. Yeah. Um, it's low volume, isn't it? It's not. No, I mean, it is. Could, it's absolutely low volume. Yeah. Could could if if somebody came to Julie and asked for four hundred and fifty shirts, could she do that? No. At cost effectively with the equipment she's got. No, of course not, because no. it, that's not what it's designed for. You want that? You go to a big printing company, correct? Who can who has big in, industrial machines that can churn these things out from a design, right? But by yeah. the same token, the opposite is true. If you need five shirts for a baby shower. My wife yeah. is somebody perfect to go through because it's going to actually probably be about the same dollar amount is going to a local printing company, except yeah. you're talking to the person that can change anything immediately. For exactly, you. it's yeah. way more personalized. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and then you know you're supporting somebody out there that's just working from home, you know. And there's yeah. there's a lot of um, good vibes with that, you know, especially yeah. in today's day and age of COVID and all that crap. Uh, Julie could take this to another level. She could make a lot more money doing it. She's basically covering her costs right now. Um, yeah. I don't. I can't tell you the last time that I've had to buy vinyl because yeah. for those who work, you keep saying you're buying and you're buying because Julie doesn't work. She's a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So when we buy a cricket machine, that's I'm buying the cricket machine. Yeah. You know, that's the family's money. But this is this is her hobby. This is something she enjoys doing. She gets a lot of. I mean, you can't you can't put a dollar value on the pleasure. No, you get. In out fact, of I've it. told and her I think before. Well, I, you need to charge more for that because yeah. her time is worth more than that. But she's not interested in charging more. She yeah. charges enough to cover her fees and maybe put a couple bucks in her pocket. But that's it. She's yeah. not. We are not getting. She's not making a car payment with what she's making. Yeah. You know? So, but she loves doing it. You know, and that's I right. fully support. Her, I've seen these designs. I've been the recipient of these designs. I've got a tech fan sticker on the back of the Sequoia. I love it having it there. Yeah. You know? And and I think that's part of what Cricket missed with this as well, which is basically they're taking something that these people love doing and they were turning around and saying, yeah, if you want to keep doing it, we're going to charge you. And yep. it, it really it really is so horribly corporate in the face of uh, something that's very much community based and yeah, and kind of uh, you know passion driven and that, and that's a real it sh- i tell you it shows that they really don't understand their customers in some respects i would agree with you um and in some respects you're right they are a company i mean their job yeah. is to make a profit you know they're not there to be altruistic they're a company no. But yeah, but I, pres- I presume they're profitable on the back of the machines already. Uh, wow. But this is Why trying would they to reach be in business if they weren't. Yeah, but this is trying to reach back in time and extract extra value out of machines they sold years ago. Apart from anything else, 100%. yeah, yeah. It, it was a bad decision. David, we're yeah. over an hour and we never got to the Lockheed 
SR71 Blackbird so I suppose we should just wait for the next tech fan in two weeks and talk about it then yeah, what do you think let's do that so that was our show Mac OS 10 Apple in Cricket so basically the Robertson household <laughs> yeah. I just thought of that uh, <laughs> we'd love to get feedback from you guys we've got one piece of feedback we're going to read it's from from John Nemirovsky yeah. He wrote, I am laughing <laughs> so hard that I'm crying in the car listening to you guys analyze my comments about navigating using the iPod and also the hideous video game beeping investigation. <laughs> Great coverage and questionable coherent comments. So thank you, John. We do appreciate your feedback and we're glad you got a kick out of that. Um, yeah. We'd love to read everybody's feedback. Just send us email the show at techfanpodcast.com. If you're up at 7.30 a.m., Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. We do podcast this show live in video. You can actually see my dumb face and David's handsome face recording it on I'm Facebook. And um, it's 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 pretty it's fun. I like doing it. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you yeah. wanted to go the video route because it's uh, more enjoyable. And cool. we will be back next week with the Geeks Pub. We're going to be talking about geeky stuff. Who knows what? I think. I think by next week, the new King Kong Godzilla movie comes out. There was a new Suicide Squad trailer that was released. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be into episode three at that point of Winter Soldier Falcon. And uh, probably a whole bunch of new geeky stuff that we can talk about. I'll talk to you then, David. See you then. Bye. Bye.